Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, it's over. We made it. We made it. We made it through this wild 2020 coronavirus season. Hey, Um, no one died. No one died. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. I can't believe that that is definitely a benchmark that we have to check off. But What a way to start the episode, Tyler. What a way to start, Tyler. <laughs> Pat myself on the back there. Um, the season ended. The national championship is over. Nick Saban yeah. has captured his seventh. I did not stutter. I did not say anything wrong. Seventh national championship. Um, unequivocally the GOAT. Well, we knew that before, but we there's no there's no debate I mean, at all. Yeah, no. Well, we didn't think there was a debate beforehand. I didn't think it was. Well, like the only people debating it are Alabama fans that somehow think Bear Bryant's better. Like, well, I mean, let me I'm put not, it this way: I won't hear it. I won't. One, I'm I'm literally reading a book right now about the 1966 Bama team, and uh, let me just put it this way: uh, the author went out of his way to make Bear Bryant look pretty good in terms of integration, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, how convenient, (laughs) how convenient is that? Uh, let's just continue and move forward. We are obviously going to review the national championship game between national champions, 13 and 0 Alabama, who put up 52 points against Ohio state. They finished at season seven and one. They put up 24 points in the national championship game. Uh, after that, we're then going to go into the bowl season as a whole. And then we're just going to kind of give our year-end thoughts before wrapping the episode up with tweets we've shared. But Tyler, let's jump into this football game. Before we talk about, you know, big picture, the GOAT, and Nick Saban, and what this means for just college football. The future of the sport. Right, the the future of the sport. Um, Let's talk about the actual game. Um, I was on record, and I texted you for saying uh, I was – allegedly taking Ohio State with the points. I thought this would be a close enough game that Mm -hmm. Ohio State would cover. I thought at worst, uh, the eight and a half points that I was given, I would maybe lose it by maybe a 10-point Alabama victory. I did not expect uh, Steve Sarkeesian to call a game that just ripped apart the Ohio State defense. And I want to go ahead and say it right now. Ohio State self-destructed on defense rather than Sark. Yeah. Sark I mean, is just smart enough to take advantage. certainly an element. It, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I definitely, I, I kind of agree. It, but it's more of like a Ohio State picked which way they were going to let Alabama beat them. Because <laughs> when, you, when you were playing, facing this version of Alabama that's happened the last couple of years, specifically this team, mm-hmm. uh, you basically have to decide, okay, we'll give it up here. Right. Like, we will let them do this, and then hopefully that's not, that's not. I mean, right. Najee Harris had like a boat ton of yards, but if you watch the game, they were Ohio State was making a concerted effort to stop him from getting the ball, and a lot of his a lot of his runs went for no yards. Like, yeah, and then he's, he's Najee Harris behind that offensive line, so you can't contain mm-hmm. him forever. Right. But I mean, you have when you have the Heisman winner, and then also like three other five stars <laughs> in your receiving core, and you know, four star quarterback who, you know, we've given Mac Jones a lot of crap. I don't even know if crap. No, no, we, we, actually, we have not given Mac Jones crap. It's just a, like this is not the Kellen show. It's just a matter of like understanding what Mac Jones is. Exactly. Mac Jones is a really good football player. He is. Like, and he's played. He played better than. He played an incredible uh, in that system, but it's. Yeah, I will also say that um, Ohio State Trey Sermon going out uh, and having to go to the hospital after his first run of the night. Yeah, that kind of helped with. 
I because I feel like their offense would be able to move the ball a little bit better if they had Master Teague and Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not like Ohio State couldn't run the ball, but it's yeah, Master one of your Teague best went player. out there. He it's went out like, there and had some runs. Yeah, but it's like when one of your best players like mm-hmm. is out. I don't know. Justin Fields still looked like Justin Fields. Yeah, I I want to I want to say this on the record, and I know I've said this to you. I know I've said this to friend of the pod, Michael. I've said this to other friends of mine, but I want to just say it on the pod. I think I've said it on the pod before, but if not, if I have, forgive me. I want to emphasize. Justin Fields is QB two in this draft. Like, yeah, he he did not do anything. I saw so many. I was reading discussions in certain group chats that I'm in that were discussing about, you know, is Justin Fields really the right pick? Should he be going? Should he be going in the first round? And these questions that to me are just asinine because number one, there is always a premium paid for quarterbacks, whether yeah. they are round one talents or not. There's always a premium, and they go. F- faster because it's the most important position on the field and number two i just think he's that good like you don't just watch the stuff he did against clemson or all of last season or in moments throughout this season and just throw it away and say oh no because he struggled against indiana in the second half because he struggled against northwestern without any of his weapons because he struggled against quite literally the best team in the country like i don't even think that's a thing there there were actual discussions that said Justin Fields is just Mitchell Trubisky. And I I don't understand. <coughs> Racism. Um, Racism. <laughs> right. I like I don't get it. I don't understand the throws that he makes. So I just want to clarify that about Justin Fields. Um yeah. I think what Alabama did on offense was simply just exploit the holes that Ohio State gave them. You watched Ohio State's defense, and not only did they just at times play a flat out cover three, right? They started off trying to go man. Um, uh, Sean Wade, there was a play where Sean Wade was one-on-one with Devontae Smith, and he was beat within half a second of the ball being snapped. It was insane. He doesn't get physical with him. Devontae Smith blows past him and beats him. So what do they do? They switch to zone. And then what happens? Sark sees it calls an audible or has Mac Jones call an audible at the line, sends Devontae Smith on a seam route up diagonal up the middle and is covered by Ohio State's white middle linebacker. Okay, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about this for a second. Reprehensible Ohio State. What is this? 1940? Yeah, we have progressed past the need. We as a society have progressed past the need for white football players to play pass coverage. Mm. Like... For, that's you're doing them a disservice you're doing your team a disservice but don't don't part of being a coach is you know putting your young men in the best position to succeed you got to pull tough world into the side and say like you see that you call a timeout like i don't even know if you're allowed to do that on defense you're calling a timeout <laughs> reprehensible no one on the coaching staff saw it i mean I mean, because t- Tough Borland, great linebacker name. Like, it just fantastic. absolutely sounds sounds like an Ohio State linebacker. But, but you know what he's not? You know what he's not? Capable of keeping up with Devontae Smith. That's yeah. what he's not. And I feel like, Tyler, the way – remember how the Fiesta Bowl last year ended where Justin Fields threw a pick to a white uh, – Retired. Clemson <laughs> – To a white Clemson defensive back? Yeah, he threw it to Nolan Turner. Yes, he did. I feel like Ohio State saw that clip and was like, oh, well, Clemson stopped us with a white defensive back. We can stop Devontae Smith with a white linebacker. In zone. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, at least, but at least, and this is so stupid. Nolan Turner is at least a safety. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
Tuff Borland is a middle linebacker. And listen, listen, we we joke about the whole white defensive back and linebacker players, whatever. No, we just mean someone that is just so so obviously not able to keep up with the Heisman Trophy winner that if you see the zone break down there, because we saw it before the play. We saw it before the play happened. We we knew exactly what Sark was doing, was putting Devontae Smith in motion. When we noticed that it was in zone, I went, oh boy, this is not going to end well. And sure enough, seam route, ball, touchdown, yeah, end of possession. I mean, Sark and the entire Alabama office put up a clinic. and it, it It's one of those things, like, there was, there was no reality where Ohio State won this game by keeping Bama down. That was not, that yeah. wasn't happening. Like, no. and you actually saw their, their game plan, I think worked kind of early. Their, mm-hmm. their game plan was like, we're going to let it like keep everything in front of us, like on defense, let, but in the red zone, when Alabama gets to the red zone, we got to clinch. We got to, we got to right. clamp it. And they got Alabama to fourth and goal all times. And Alabama, mm-hmm. cause they're not cowards, um, just went for it and they did convert. But like, if you're getting us, if you're getting yourself into a situation where you continue to, where you continue to force the other offense into fourth and goal situations mm-hmm. in the red zone, that's a that's a recipe for success. The only problem yeah. is that like I pretty much after that they started giving up like forty yard touchdowns. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah. when you're when you're down, I think the idea there, and I heard uh, Gator Great Richard Johnson on Split Zone Duo mentioned this that. Ohio State's defense works when it has a Bosa brother or a Chase Young on the edge, and they're able to get pressure to the quarterback. That's why they can play that style of defense. When Mac Jones has all day to throw, can go to his second, third check down, when the best offensive line we've seen in a few years is blocking for Mac Jones, when Devontae Smith— Two of Ohio State's defensive linemen were out with COVID. Yeah, that, that, and that's a big deal there, you know? So, And that's my issue, where I just don't think there was an adjustment on Ohio State's part. And, Tyler, what is, like, rule number zero in terms of picking teams? Again? What, what do we always say when Nick Saban has a long, longer than a week time to prepare for a football game? I mean, what do we say? What, what's the line? It's over. Like, that's it's it. Over. Like, like, Nick Saban's going to win the football game. And it seems like Nick Saban was able to, not just defensively, but, you know, get in with his offense yeah. and kind of get in the room and say, hey, look, Sark, you're smart enough. We can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be able to, to shift. I feel like it was the – Bill Simmons has a theory where it's the, the team that celebrates prematurely, where it's like a big, important game in like a semifinal or a quarterfinal. And it's like, wow, they celebrated like they won the title, but they really didn't. They had this kind of hangover for the next game, and I feel like that's part of what Ohio State had, mm-hmm. uh, where that win against Clemson, I mean, in the Ohio State locker room, in the weight room, they had the Clemson score from the Fiesta Bowl up. So yeah. that was clearly the game that they wanted I, they, to play. They felt, they, they felt like they wanted they, they felt like they could have won that game last year, and they could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and part of it also is that you got to – this other thing, Justin Fields has been compared to Trevor Lawrence's entire high school and college career. Yeah, man. and to and Ohio State has never beaten Clemson in their history until they did that night. Right. So and it was Ryan Day's first playoff win and all of these things. And so like, there's a lot that goes into that. But mm-hmm. you still got another game next week. Yeah, for sure, for right. sure. And and I feel like they they showed up a bit flat again. Like you said, um, losing their starting running back didn't really help. Yeah, and they they were kind of playing catch up the whole time. They came out in the third quarter. I think it's important to note they they did come out in the third quarter pretty well. But when you're down by so much. 
And even Devontae Smith going out with a hand injury wasn't enough to to really yeah, no. put them back in the football game, you know? There was no. a point where they were down 14, and it was like, oh, boy, here we go. Could be a swing. And in, then there was a touchdown. And it was in the over. second half, Alabama was missing their two best receivers in mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Smith with the hand injury. And Jalen Waddle, who should not have been on that field. But um, let me let me say did, this. Yeah, it didn't matter. But it didn't matter. But let me say this about Waddle, where it was important to note that there was a report during the game on the sideline where Waddle passed every medical test. Like Waddle, at least on paper, and at least that's what they said. You know that he passed everything. That he was there's no no more structural damage that he could make to his ankle. Uh, that it was basically just. It was going to be painful because, you know, he wasn't fully healed, quote unquote, but there was no more structural damage that he could do. So it was essentially just how much pain can Jalen Waddle handle? And for those people saying, oh, my gosh, Nick Saban doesn't care about his players. Nick no. Saban, Nick Saban is only out there to win the title. He, he's, you know, he's not a good person. Shouldn't care. Have you, I, met, have you, have you ever listened to Nick Saban talk about anything? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. No, it, it, that and also I feel it's important to note these guys have been. A lot of people have been dreaming about playing in a national championship game yeah. their entire lives. I mean, granted, I, I would say that, you know, a Super Bowl, obviously, because they all want to go pro. But this is the highest level of competition that a lot of those players will be at. Will ever play in. Yeah, like, and I don't blame Jalen Waddle for wanting to go out there and, you know, play and contribute. And he did in the opening drive. Yeah. I think at once he realized, okay, I, I, there's a lot of money once on the line. he started limping, he ain't, nah. Jalen, he ain't called Jalen limp. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So I yeah, just want to say I, that about Waddle. I will, where... Yeah, I understand. It's one of those things where it's like, and we won't know because only the people in that building know the medical right. situation. I was just <laughs> at the belief, and again, I was like, when you when he got injured with it this year, I just was just like, I don't like the idea of him coming back to play one game. And it's I know the players won't think like this, but I'm like, they're gonna win it without him. Yeah, like he's gonna get a ring still. Don't jeopardize your pro career. But I was in college. I understand the short sightedness of the moment. Like I get it. I get and, it. And it's a national championship game, and you want to, you want to take a snap. And I, I'm glad that they took him out. When yeah. they yeah. did. I'm glad they because, realized after that opening drive, and we're kind of like, yeah. we're gonna limit you for the rest of the game. He got like seven snaps the whole game. Something like yeah. That. So yeah, and Landon, and you know, and it's differently. Landon Dickerson took a snap at the end of the victory formation. Uh, he's been Again, injured. Like yeah. He he was injured. You wanted in the to game have game. that moment, like exactly. And I exactly. I, I do I, I I agree with that. And yeah, this was this um. It, it was it was an exciting national championship game for the first like quarter and a half, mm-hmm. um, and then even into the third quarter because it was just like we saw what Florida did in their third quarter game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like Ohio State could get back into this, but Ohio State couldn't really turn it up into this the second gear. And I think part of that is, um. I mean, just schematically, if you were just looking at Justin Fields a little bit, like Justin Fields' best trait, his best trait is that he just sits in there. He will hang in there. He's Big Ben, and he'll chuck that thing downfield. Yeah. He's got a bit of a long throwing motion. He's got the, got that Felipe Frank throwing motion, that Blake Bortles throwing motion. But his balls are way better than any of them. But he likes to throw deep, and he's really good at it, and the receivers are so good. But and he's you accurate get, downfield. Yeah. But to do that you got to hang in there a couple extra seconds mm-hmm. and Barmore, the Alabama defensive lineman, defensive lineman just took over when that happened. So yeah, that's Christian. I think a large part of the reason that Ohio state wasn't able to kick that into gear. Whereas like other teams like Florida Ole Miss could mm-hmm. is that Alabama's defensive line 
played really well in this game. Yeah, yeah. I think Christian Barbo made himself a lot of money last night or Ooh, on yeah. Monday night. Fun fact, he's from Philly and is friends with a good friend of mine from grad school. Oh, nice. So the whole night he was like, Christian, let's go. I was like, hey, man, get some money. Get some get money. Get your money, yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this? No, about the game specifically? No, I think, I think we yeah. said all that's to be said. I want to move on to just the discussion about this Alabama team and that's where I wanted to go. So, and, and Nick Saban as a whole. So I'll let you, I'll let you go first. I'll see what you say. My my first thing was that I had a question for you. Who do you think is a better all time bet better all time team 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama? So I was okay. So I was listening to, this is not a question real quick. This this is not a question of who's the greatest team of all time. Okay. We'll, we'll all answer those things differently. And I know, you're uh-huh. Miami. You're a South Florida person, so you think it's 2001 Miami. Um, yeah, I, I, that, bro, that I'm throwing that out. Team. I don't. I don't care about that. But like, okay, okay. I'm specifically talking about because these are two of the most dominant, efficient teams of all time. Uh huh. Who's better, 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama? Continue. I think top to bottom. If I have to just pick. I can't like mix match like the defense from this team, like the line from this team. Like I have to just go full roster, right? Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's the team, their season. Like who was the more okay better all time team? Because like I think, I think I got to go with twenty nineteen LSU because I actually and, agree with you. Okay, but, because okay, what's your reasoning? You know who we didn't see this year? Jamar Chase. Yeah, you know, you know who was a first round draft pick last year, Justin Jefferson. And I'm not saying that Devontae Smith. I don't, I don't know if Justin Jeff. That's the thing. We're talking about three unequivocal first round wide receivers and yeah. tremendous talents. I think that Joe Burrow, with the year he had, because he was the first to go and do that. I think I think a lot of what this Alabama offense was was Steve Sarkeesian being smart and recognizing when he could do certain things on the field. The mm. difference is Joe Brady. And Joe Brady is just a young wizard with the passing game. And I feel like if you had to go ahead and say, I feel like if you were to give Joe Brady the 2020 Alabama offensive players, he would do a better job than Sark, which is saying a lot because it's not that Sark did a bad job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I like that. I also like defensively um, in the linebacker in the secondary. I like the LSU team a bit more. And I think the one spot that for sure Alabama has an advantage is the offensive line. That offensive line was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU's offensive line was good. They weren't anything special, but they were good. Like, 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 just in terms of in terms of the system that both teams play, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fit the LSU system that they played more than Najee Harris fit the Alabama system. I mean, they played. yeah, and we're we're, we're nitpicking, we're nitpicking. Here, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, my my actual argument is different mm-hmm. from yours for what okay. I believe is for the, as a nineteen LSU. I, by the way, you I meant, just thought that I thought that through on the spot. Like I yeah. was. No, I was trying to rationalize because you left out two things that I think are the most important than when I look at them. You mentioned all these great players and they're all true, but I think like that kind of all even splits it a little bit. Um, Joe Burrow is in my, was in my opinion, a better quarterback than Mac Jones. Like hands down, hands down. Mac Jones had one of the best efficient seasons we ever had. And I don't want to take anything away from him, but from a professional prospect perspective Mm -hmm. and the way that they won 
I I got to take Joe Burrow. And additionally, I know Alabama played a pretty much entirely conference schedule and then the two playoff games. Mm-hmm. I think LSU's road was harder because they did play non-conference games like that were, you know, the crappy ones, but they they had to play a, a Texas team that could score on anybody. In they Austin. Played Florida, they played Florida in the regular season. Yeah, in Austin. They played Alabama. Um, they beat Auburn, a good Auburn team that year. Mm-hmm. And they beat Georgia, and then they went on. They smoked Oklahoma, and they pretty dominantly beat Clemson, um, which is kind of a wash with Alabama's road to their playoff. But it's like LSU had to go through some like really challenging, like challenging games, not because they didn't play, but challenging games because they were playing good teams. Alabama right. was not. I I actually I don't think Alabama was really challenged much at all this season until maybe the Florida game. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they they were struggled in the first half against Georgia, um, but they won that game pretty decisively. Ole Miss scored points in them, but I never thought that Ole Miss was going to win. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, who else even kept pace with them? And right. then you get to the Florida game, and the Florida Florida game was tough. But it's like LSU beat like I think there was I don't know the specific stat, but LSU beat like a record of top twenty five teams on their way to the national championship, like. And everybody is like, afterwards, a lot of people thought those teams weren't as good, but they continually beat ranked teams. Right. So I, I think LSU's schedule, while not all while not all an SEC schedule, was harder. But I um, think also there's something to say about the two teams that Alabama was given to make it a 10-game rather than an 8-game. Yeah. It was Missouri and I think Kentucky. Like, ugh. guys, like, really? Like, those— And the SEC, the-, the SEC as a conference, I think, wasn't as good this year. I agree, and and I also think I think I think I heard this on the Cover Three podcast where they were saying that yeah, those two extra games, it's harder not for the Bamas, the Georgias, the Floridas, but it's harder for the South Carolinas and the Mississippi States and the Mississippi. They don't got any of those guaranteed wins. Exactly, they, like, that's where it gets any, harder. Yeah, so yeah. I'd have to agree with you on that. On um, for sure. Awesome. Like, let's don't want to take anything from this Alabama team. Let's pivot to this Alabama team a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense of like, I want to let's talk about Nick Saban and just like, I mean, he, obviously the goat, but um, just like what you think about his like thing with the sport, and I think it's just inc- it's incredible to see Nick Saban five a mere five years ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have imagined Alabama having the season they have. They could score 50 points on teams, but it was different. Like, Mm -hmm. and this has been a long time coming the way Alabama's built to this level. They've built to this offensive efficiency of, I mean, remember those, there was that period where Saban was like, do we want the game to be this way? And we all said, yes. And he said, all right, well, I'll beat you that way too. Um, (laughs) Cause he's the goat. And, it's it is important to remember with that um is this is Nick Saban's seventh national title in college football. It is only his second undefeated season ever. Hmm. I didn't I didn't realize he has, that. He has had only two undefeated seasons this season and one of the AJ McCarron years. Mm-hmm. I think it was the one where they beat Notre Dame. <laughs> um, so the thir- the 13 year. I think so, yes. So so then I want I want to bring this up where Again, like you said, Saban said, is this how we want football to be? And we all said yes. And he said, cool, I'll I'll beat you this way as well. Um, it's fun to see 
Okay, so during the game, I was in a group chat. I'm in a group chat with some of my friends from school, and uh, I would say that the majority of them are not college football people. But it's the damn, national championship damn game. Yankees. <laughs> but it's the it's the national championship game. Yeah, so everybody watches the championship game. Of course. And I had one friend who I respect dearly um, just say, listen, like this is why I can't watch college football because it's Alabama and that's it. There's no competition, this and that. And I and I I said politely said, hey, look, listen, that's not the case. There's a lot of different. You don't. There's a lot of parts of college football that you're not gonna pick up on if you just watch the Natty. Like it's it's an experience for an entire fall. If on you Saturdays. only der- if you only derive enjoyment out of watching the playoff, you're doing it wrong. Correct. That's not how to consume college football. But he but I but I understand his point, right? Yeah. Where the top is so heavy that why should we be interested? I also had another friend say, and I think you would agree with this. Where he was like, "Tell me again why we need to expand the playoff because there were three blowouts." And I was like, "I get it, I understand, but I don't have time to go yeah. into the, the intricacies about how it's not going to be the final few games that are going to improve. It's going to be the, the ones not, before. You're, yeah, the you're not expanding the playoff to make the championship game matter more. Right? You're expanding the playoff so that there's more equity in regards to of the sport of like Cincinnati could say they could hang a banner, and I wouldn't object to them." They could hang a ban and a banner that said they went to the college football playoff. Yeah, like and it would matter. You don't you don't hang a banner for going to the NCAA tournament. I don't know. Ask ask FSU basketball. No, we're not getting into that. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't got time for that. It like, was too easy. It was yeah. Too no, easy. I, I was a layup right there. Yeah. Um, but like Cincinnati would be able to go around to recruits in the Ohio area. It's just like yeah, you could go be second team at Ohio State, or you could start for us a playoff team. Yeah. Um, and it's the, it's the intricacies of like, that would just make that matter more for, because what college football I think is running into the problem is that it's like the teams that will never make, have a shot of even entertaining the discussion of the playoff. They're happy. They're mm-hmm. nothing's changed for them. Right. The teams at the very, very top, which is really just Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio state, but really just Alabama. They're mm-hmm. happy. They're at the top of the world. It's the teams that are like six through 20 mm-hmm. that all have dreams and realistic shots of getting to the playoff, but then you kind of take a step back and look from it from a non-college football fan's perspective, and you're like, okay, you're just going to go to get beat by Alabama. Right. Like, and, and it's and- for those teams that it feels like college football is in a gridlocked hellscape of just what are we going to do? That's right. It. And the easy answer is, that I don't know if it's the right answer, but the easy answer is always just like, well, when Nick Saban retires at the end of all time. Right. Um, and, and, that's where, and that's where I'm getting at, where – my my response was, guys, I don't think you understand how dominant these Alabama teams are. And and it's a testament to Nick Saban because not only is he recruiting the top players in the country uh, with his maybe quote unquote Cadillac dealership, but whatever. That's just that's just fun. That Listen, we, we, we poke fun at it. But in reality, Saban is a hands down phenomenal recruiter. We know yeah. this. It's not Cadillacs, whatever. Um he not only can he recruit, not only X's and O's is he a fantastic coach and defensive scheme mind, but his ability to adapt and change with football. So many coaches live and die by their schemes that most times it's a detriment to them. It can be fantastic in that short space and window where it's working, but once college football as a whole, the landscape starts to shift, they are left in the dust. I'm very interested to see. It's the it's the Mike Leach conversation, right? Yeah. Mike Leach needs. Everyone two years. can pass now. 
Exactly. Everyone can pass The now. air raid isn't special anymore because everyone has air raid type concepts within their normal playbooks. So yeah. the fact that Mike Leach, Mike Leach is running eight plays with four checkdowns isn't really special. Now, the magic in it is when you have players that are so good that it can click exactly how you want it. That's where the magic comes in. But the fact that Nick Saban is able to go from, I'm going to run the ball down your throat. I am going to hold the ball for 44 minutes of the 60 minutes, and we are going to suffocate you defensively. And you're going to hate those 16 minutes that that you're on the field. Exactly. You're going to hate every second of it because we will kill you. And your defense is going to get the best cardio of their life. Like that, he goes from that to, is this how we want football to be? We all say yes, and he says, bet, I'll do it too, to just suffocating you vertically to spreading out the pass games four five out he doesn't run a 12 personnel anymore he doesn't run 13 personnel anymore the, the he's running thing, four and yeah. five verts every time yeah the one thing we all had against alabama for a long time even though they had julio jones at one point mm-hmm. is that we we had receivers right because the receivers wouldn't go to like a special one would always go every couple of years because it's alabama and they're like well we'll force feed you the ball and you'll yeah. be a great professional prospect but like we didn't have like four receivers that are like all four or five stars mm-hmm. go to Alabama because they're like, we can't all get the ball. So they go to right. other teams and t- that's gone. Listen, um, Tyler, last year on the Alabama roster, their wide receivers were Judy, Ruggs, Smith, and Waddle. That's yeah. four first rounders, Tyler. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I will say, yeah, Devontae Smith's speech was great. And I do think it's important because his body frame does not lead you to believe that he's going to be a successful Correct. football player. He was a four-star recruit, best best wide receiver in Louisiana at the time. So, <laughs> like, so, so so that's the thing. I think I think the master and the beauty of Saban isn't necessarily just the X's and O's, the recruiting. It's his ability to adapt, and yeah. he is a, and he is the the mark of a true leader. Like, take him. If Nick Saban wanted to be a businessman, he'd be a billionaire CEO. If Nick Saban wanted to be a teacher, he would be the best teacher on earth and would be named Secretary of Education one day. That is how good that he is in terms of adapting, you know? Yeah, new, absolutely. New, I know you laughed. New regime, new presidency. We're going different ways. But you know what I mean? <laughs> we're, not, we're not going the Betsy DeVos route. Anyway. Um, Could but- you imagine Nick Saban having to deliver, having to answer questions from the media as a Secretary of Education? <laughs> Everybody just pause and think about that for a second. <laughs> Take about three, two, one. Okay, you will always have that thought in your head. Continue, sir, do. So my point is that he's <laughs> adaptable. And I think the biggest thing that he – his biggest accomplishment is the fact that he got people at a – I'll say it. I'll go out and say it. At a toxic SEC program. Because if Nick Saban Alabama was not good when, when, when they hired him. Alabama was not good, and he was able to get fit. He was it's similar to Auburn, right? Right now, there's 15 people at Auburn trying to get their mouth in and saying how they want to run the program. Nick Saban was able to get all those 15 people in Tuscaloosa to say, "Listen to me, I will get it done," and he's delivered. Yeah. And that I think is the most important reason why he's the greatest football coach of all college football coach of all time. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I've been waiting to get that out. Like the Saban <laughs> thing is, and and listen, guys, like yes, expanding the playoff is not a, that's it, that's the magic potion to make college football more competitive. No. But you know what's the closest thing to a magic potion? Say, whenever Saban decides to call the quits. Yeah. Whenever like, that happens. I don't think Saban is bad for the sport. It, I do don't I. think so. And even if he was, like, he's a human being. Like, he will eventually be done with this. Like Exactly. But... Well, 
Is he a human being? Have we do we have confirmation of that? I I can't confirm, uh, <laughs> but I can't deny. If there was any college football coach that would, he's like Nick Saban doesn't like winning; he hates losing. Exactly. And if if Nick Saban considers death loss, then um, <laughs> yeah, he ain't dying anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's why I joke. Like when 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 they won, he was having his interview, and he had probably his most emotional interview that he's had yeah. in a while. And I jokingly texted you and Michael, and I said, oh, look, our annual Saban smile. <laughs> you get one. You get one. And we didn't get one last year because he didn't, he didn't really care didn't about beating Michigan in the, in the Citrus Bowl or whatever it was. So Yeah, but I, people – that's the other thing. But what I would say the absolute – this is – again, I don't think Saban's bad for college football. But mm-hmm. what I will say is that, like, the – most indicative thing it's the biggest compliment i could give but the thing that i do think tears college football down a little bit is that people don't i don't think average fans sits back and realizes how special nick saban is because they see it happen so they believe it can be done Mm -hmm. that you can have a program like nick saban nick saban's the only person to have a program like nick saban like Mm -hmm. all these clemson's you know their their dynasty oklahoma's been great for like 20 i would argue like i i would argue and i think it's because i'm reading this alabama 66 book i would argue bear bryant had a program like nick saban does now that is a different era of college football but it's exactly but it is a different era of college football where i'm reading here where they'd have coaches do bed checks in the middle of the night you you're gonna tell you're gonna tell modern day college football kid that on that on thursday night he can't go out and see a girl or something or maybe go out with friends and be out past 10 o'clock that's not going to happen in today's college football no right it's a different era and no yeah but again it's just like people i think everyone in the sport believes that it's it's a matter of like what nick saban does can be achieved Mm -hmm. i mean realistically it can because he did it but like nick saban is special yeah we will never see another person quite like him in my opinion you know you know when we're old and we're the people being like, Nick Saban was the goat. You whippersnappers don't know what you're talking about. When some, you know, like when Lane Kiffin's kid is like Lane, when Lane When Lane Kiffin's kid has brought Rutgers to their fourth national championship. <laughs> Mark it down. Mark it down. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have that discussion with our grandkids and yeah. on their podcasts. But like, It'll um, be but for right now, like, I just it, appreciate what nick saban is yeah and understand that it has largely to the fans that don't really analyze the sport which is probably a lot of them like Mm -hmm. largely ruined expectations for college football but that's also part of what college football is it's listen i didn't see it's an expectation based sport this is this is our michael jordan this is our new england patriots this is our um, as much as it pains me to say it, Yankees of the late '90s, early 2000s. Oh boy, that, that I like, saw. It. You guys can't see this, but he, that hurt him. But like, no, these are we. We don't complain. We never complain about dynasties in other sports. We're always able to go from a bird's eye view and say how special they are. But it seems when we talk about Alabama and Nick Saban, it's always they're ruining college football, and I just don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I As agree. a Gator fan, I would. I mean, I, I when I would love for when Alabama Nick Saban to hangs it up. I'm like, I, it's our year. Yeah. It will be. Oh. It will be. I am already telling you right now. When Nick Saban retires, the column will be like there. We should do a series where it is literally every team's year. <laughs> where every or every SEC team, starting with Auburn, 
will say Auburn will be first in line. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be Auburn, then Georgia, then us. That's the order of like Nick Saban's done. All right, guys. We're kicking it in. Recruiting violations. We, you know what? Forget them. We're going all in on this year. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. All right. Good conversation on Saban. Good conversation on Alabama. Good conversation on the national championship. Congratulations to Alabama. Seventh title for Saban. Man, Oof. dynasty in every sense of the word. Tyler, um, let's go ahead and quickly just go through the bowl games. Um, before we do. Before we do. I feel like I should share a result that was not indicated on the actual scores of the games, but a different result that was related to bowl games and that uh, tanking works. It did indeed work. Um, one, uh, the sideline judgment capital one bowl mania um, tied at first with Grantham's prevent defense. Um, but tanking works is me, by the way. So I'm officially better at Sergio at call at predicting bowl games, regular college football games, and because March Madness hasn't happened in two years, brackets. <laughs> you know, it would have been easier to just for you to just put it in the Twitter bio and just keep it moving. We didn't have to sh- like shame nah, I felt like it needed to be recorded forever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the bowl games. Let's talk Take about the away, bowl Sergio. games. Where did, I, where did I end up, by the way? Uh, you have you, you? I have it right in front of you. Other tab. You were, two at a time, you were... Okay, so you're you're tied at seventh with like three other people. Uh-huh. But so I had seventeen points, which is ninety three percent hit rate. You yeah. have fifteen. Okay. Like, so I just missed so and also there were there were less There were games. way less bowls this year. You're we're really splitting hairs. The worst person is uh there's like a four way tie at four. Uh-huh. And um it's eleven points. Okay. So, so it's like more than half. Splitting hairs here. Um yeah. Tyler, I believe the last time we left off was right after the Liberty Coastal game. So that means that we are beginning on Tuesday, December 29th with Oklahoma State and Miami in the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State ended up beating Miami 37-34. This is the game where De'Eric King unfortunately tore his ACL. He announced that he is coming back to Miami next year, which... We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about it, but I want to say quickly... Sneaky, the most important returning player in the country. Yeah, I would, no, I, I would argue. I would, uh, yeah, he. We yeah. talked about it a lot. He is Miami MVR, most valuable returner. Most most valuable. Look at it. Look at us giving out awards. I, um, I I I agree with you because like, I was about to think talk so much about like this is a big year for Manny Diaz, and it still kind of is because like Derek King. With the way ACL injuries get rehabbed these days, he could make it back for the next season. Well, they they um, said that he should his timetable. I'm down. I was down here when it happened, so there's a lot of sports talk around it. And they were saying that the timetable he had his surgery was successful. He's already healing and stuff like that. That his timetable is he should be back um, by fall camp. So he'll miss summer camp, but he'll be back by fall. Yeah, so. I mean, and he already has season as a starter in the same offense. So exactly. Like, yeah. So um, yeah, but. Yeah, that's really unfortunate for Derek King. Um, it's big that he's coming back. Miami needs that because, like, honestly, Derek King coming back could have been the deciding factor of Miami of uh, Miami Diaz's tenure. I would agree, you know? and and I think this is even though this technically isn't like okay, he made the switch. He, you know, he jumped up to win nine, ten games, whatever. I would say this might this might have be the most important moment of 
Miami Diaz's tenure in Miami. Just getting, yeah. just getting De'Ara King, first of the, all, landing De'Ara King, and then getting yeah. him to stay for the extra season. Because you may not make a jump next season, but I have a hard time believing you'll be worse. And they were pretty Agreed. good this season. Um, I agree. I agree. But credit to Miami, actually, because they only lost by three points when they lost their quarterback, like, in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, however... It was also a matter of I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State was just messing around at the end. Yeah, they were like, they were definitely just seeing what happened. Um, Tylen Wallace decided to stop playing halfway through the game. This I, is some Vontae Davis retirement stuff. Dude, like, I was I was watching the game with my dad, and my dad was like, "Wait, why do they keep showing this guy?" I was like, "He's their star receiver. Their star running back has opted out. Their quarterback is out there because he's a sophomore, but." The receiver, I, I guess he started playing, and at halftime, you know, draft stock. My and my brother was with me too. He was like, "Yeah, I get it." Blah, blah, blah. My dad was like, oh, "So he's a bad teammate." I was like, "No, not how it works in college." I understand your sentiment. I respect it. I just disagree because <laughs> he's yeah. on the sideline cheering and all this stuff. But it was clear that Oklahoma State at halftime was like, "All right, guys, let's get out of here. Let's go back home." Yeah. So that happened there. Um, the second game of that day was Texas beating Colorado fifty-five to twenty-three. Um, this was, um, this game was strange. This was Tom Herman's last game. This was Tom Herman's last game. Sam Ellinger got hurt in this game. He did. And it was his last game. He's decided he's not coming back to Texas, but, uh, I think it was a beacon of hope for Texas fans. Even Thompson, even pre-Sark Casey Thompson looking pretty nice. Those guys were looking good. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna now. Okay, so I picked this game correctly in the bowl mania, which we're not gonna talk about that. But I just it was because Tom Herman's great in bowl games. Uh huh. But I wanted to say my my the thing is that I've learned from the past. I'm not falling in love with Texas next like preseason. <laughs> so so wait. The question is, is Texas back? They're back <laughs> with the new coach. They're they're back to Austin because they flew back. Um, <laughs> and they. They may have driven. It was in San Antonio. Yeah, it's in San Antonio. Um, They're (laughs) back where they started with a new coach that is just like, probably just like Tom Herman. Oh, boy. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, All right, so that was that game. Uh, Florida, Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Florida 55-20. We will talk about this game in our upcoming Florida Gators postmortem. We're not ducking it, I promise. I know this is like the yeah. third episode we've said we're not going to talk about the game, but we will talk about the game when we do the entire Florida Gator yeah. season postmortem coming up in a couple episodes. I mean, so. yeah, just just quick thoughts to know where we stand. It's just a matter of like it was bad. Yeah, that was a game. We there was it, there was a team yeah, on the field. That's what that was. Yeah, there it's was bad, a team but there's the reasons field. for it and reasons that you got to understand. But yep. we should move on, and we'll get there. Um, I would argue the game of the day on December 30th was Wisconsin 42 Wake Forest 28 in the Duke's Mayo bowl. Two things. This game was close until the Wake Forest quarterback threw four straight interceptions. Um, like on consecutive drives. It was rough. Like plays, like almost on consecutive plays. I think two of them were back-to-back plays. Yeah. And then he got benched. (laughs) I think the last two, um, the the game started off hot early and then that happened. And then it fizzled it's a, at the end. it's 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 a two score win but it felt closer exactly and i think we were all disappointed because the duke's mayo bowl twitter account tweeted out a picture earlier that day of a gatorade bucket with the duke's mayo logo and if you remember tyler the potato bowl the head coach gets french fries dumped on him in the cheese it bowl the head coach gets cheese it's dumped on him in the mayo bowl 
What do you think the head coach gets dumped on him? I I hope to God. I mean, I know it wasn't, but I yes. hoped that it was mayo. Like, it was it was mayo colored water. It was this water that was just, what, dude? It was this water that was just like not looking good. And my brother Diego was here, and we were both watching the game, literally just waiting for the mayo. And it, and my brother was like, "Oh, that was disappointing." It was like, yeah. yeah we thought it was going to be mayo, but it was not. So it's like unfortunately, when the Nickelodeon broadcast NFL game, and literally not a single person got slimed during the broadcast. We will talk about that later on. Uh, New Year's Eve, Ball State ends up upsetting San Jose State thirty-four thirteen in a battle of the MAC and Mountain West champions. Uh, San Jose State suffers their first loss of the season, and I think it was that game and the Texas game that cost me the bowl mania because. Probably. I picked I picked Colorado and San Jose State. Um in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Mississippi State beats Tulsa 28-26. Interesting. I didn't expect that because Yeah, but we don't care what happened during the game. It's what happened after the game that matters. <laughs> what happened after the game, Tyler? Uh literally like the game's over. Like it's oh, yeah. but it's it's been over for like a little while cuz Tulsa kicked the onside kick, didn't get it. So mm-hmm. like you you know it's only like a couple seconds of game time but it's like two three minutes of like okay well we very clearly have lost right and the game's over and the broadcast is ending and like mike leach does the handshake he leaves he's going to like take pictures with fans there's a a bench clearing fight on the tulsa sideline between mississippi state players and tulsa that the broadcast they don't cut away from it they just keep showing it like at one point a Mississippi State is running by and like kicks like um, a Tulsa a, player in this stride. Was, like this was a WWE ladder match type brawl. This was, was crazy. It was incredible because like I was kind of like t- I checked out you know a little bit, but then I looked back up. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, and the best part is that Mike Leach had absolutely nothing to do with it, <laughs> and he had no idea what was happening. He was taking yeah. pictures with fans on the opposite side of the field. <laughs> And I still, I'd love to know why it happened. And I don't think mm-hmm. I ever will, but like, I really would love I to. I would also like to know if players are going to be punished. Like, yeah. It'd be funny if we see like Mississippi State in their first game. It's like, oh, and they're missing this player, this player, and this player. Because as you remember, and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> so Eight fun. months ago, there was a brawl. <laughs> anyway. All right. In so the Liberty good. Bowl, West Virginia beats Army 24-21. This was a bit sad because Army was leading late, and I thought I thought Army was going to be able to pull it off, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. The next game, West Virginia. Yeah, I was going to say I like West Virginia, and I think they're going to be on the up next year. Keep an well, I would keep well, an eye on them. Well, what you, you got to remember about West Virginia, they think is the reason they're able to win this game. Like they they could score, but it's just like you know most teams that Army plays, just most college football teams. Like there's a lot that can run the ball really well, but yeah, and have good defenses. But not a lot of teams are, are willing to get dragged down into the mud that Army will drag you down into. Right. West Virginia lives down there, so they could yep. they could they could play with them. Yep. Like, I've been to Morgantown; they are familiar with that mud. Um, the next games were the semifinal games. We've already spoken about those. We had the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, uh, which we spoke about this bowl, right? I think with our new year six slight yeah like we, we kind of mentioned it. yeah we like, mentioned the new year six game so i'm just gonna push forward and we're gonna talk about the citrus bowl where northwestern put up 35 points on auburn who only scored 19 
And that's the kind of stuff that happens when you play a bowl game and you don't have a head coach. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Isn't that, I mean, this, this is one of what's funny is that Kevin Steele was actually coaching this game. He was. And and this is one of the higher point totals Auburn's given up all season. <laughs> <laughs> so all the more reason to stop the steal? Oh, oh, that was a good see, one. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. There? Thank you. Yeah, he, he almost stole stole home. He almost stole the job. Oh, but... he almost did. He almost did. Um, And then we talked about the Orange Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. Tyler, we have Kentucky and North Carolina State. Kentucky wins the Gator Bowl in your home stadium. Damn right. 23 to 21. This game was crazy. I saw this game. I had it on a dual screen with the game that we'll speak about in a second. Um, It was fun. Kentucky played really good football. Like Kentucky played disciplined football. They were just a well, they're a well-coached team. They're a well-coached team. Even when they suck, they're still good because Mark Mark Stoops is a good coach. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And NC State was really trying to throw the ball deep on them and, uh, it was cl- it was fun, fun close game. But again, Mark Stoops, great coach, and I love that Kentucky throughout the game. You could see that they were playing for something, something more than just themselves. They were playing for their coach who passed away this year. They were beat making efforts, and you could see that they were more up for the game. A lot of times in yeah. bowl games, it's one team may be a bit more up for the game than the other, and I feel like that was a situation yeah. here where Kentucky was more motivation up for the game. is a large part of bowl games because yeah. unlike regular season games. Bowl games are participation trophies, and they are what they are. A lot of teams, yeah. Yeah. And so, if you, it's if if you've had a tough season, it's hard to want to continue to continue. But they did, and I get it. It's commendable. And the final bowl game we'll talk about, it's the Outback Bowl, where Ole Miss saved America. They beat Indiana twenty six twenty to get everyone blooming onions. Which I took advantage of, Tyler. Which I took advantage of. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. Um, that must have been nice. <laughs> Even if I was allowed to leave my home, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy it. What are you By breaking, the way, listeners, are you, are you we're breaking, breaking news, news on the pod. <laughs> I had COVID for like two weeks. I'm fine. I shouldn't Everyone be laughing. Family, I shouldn't be laughing. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry. I'm fine. Everyone in my family is fine. We are all fine. Uh, still take it seriously because it was tough. Uh, but around this time, I was getting over the bad part and just getting to the losing my taste part. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, great. Almost we all get free blue numbing. So I was like, oh, like, well, I can't leave. I'm quarantined. Why didn't you, why didn't you order it? I don't think I think the closest outback in Panama City is not close enough for delivery. I should have just I should have uh, I got to mention I was also kind of delirious when this was happening. <laughs> like, I was going to say you saw you saw some of these games in in a in a little in a state of yeah, inebriation like, from like, some medicine. We we joked uh on when we were texting it was just like cuz I told Sergio after this weekend of football that, yeah. that we're talking about right now. It's like, by the way, I have COVID. He's just like, that makes sense because you have not been texting me about these games. And yeah, like, usually yeah. we'd go. I was like, I was just like, uh, I felt, I felt by myself watching these games. I was like, I'm Damn. really sorry. Like, I was just really tired. <laughs> so, I get it, and that's fine. I watched. I'm, I'm them. glad you're I safe. I watched them. I know you did. I'm but just, that I'm was all the energy I had. Yeah, I'm safe. Everyone else is safe. Uh, but glad you enjoyed that blooming onion for me i did because even, I did. Please, even if i been able to order it i wouldn't have been able to taste it you so. know the secret you know the secret to enjoying your blooming onion you not only get the sauce but you order a side of ranch so mm. that you like alternate 
so the ranch can cool down your taste buds and you can just have a fresh you know what i mean a balanced attack it's a balanced attack yeah man i'm i'm not an air raid guy i'm also not a three yards in a cloud of dust guy i'm a balanced offense yeah all right i'm not playing cover three against Devontae smith over here come on come come on man come on no oh man all right so that's those are all the bowl games as tyler mentioned um that really got me (laughs) thank you um as tyler mentioned he did win our bowl mania congrats to tyler um all right Tyler. i I choose to believe i know you talked about earlier i choose to believe i won because of uh, iowa state but that's just me well i changed my pick to iowa state after we previewed it you are so right never mind so i actually was like what am i doing they're wearing all blacks (laughs) i'm in Undefeated in the All Blacks, Undefe- uh, except for the uh, Big Twelve title game. game. But undefeated in spirit. <laughs> there you go. There you go. They wear that thing a lot because, like, well, because it looks fantastic. Oh yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's one of those special uniforms. You would assume. You because they used to just wear it like once once a year. But this was the year where they've had the most big games to play for ever, so they <laughs> kept wearing them. <laughs> More power to them, man. Hey, the players love it. Uh, Tyler, listen, we've come to the end of the season, and before we finish with Tweets Who Shared, I just want to ask you, what what is one moment in this season that when you look back and when our grandkids are asking us about Nick Saban and they ask us, hey, what was 2020 like in college football? What are you going to remember? What are you going to tell them? Oh, that's tough. Um, You know what honestly is the most standout moment of the season to me? Just to show exactly what type of season this was, uh-huh. and this is not related to Nick Saban at all, but I'll, I, I'll hope you'll indulge me here. Okay, it's the Florida State Clemson game being canceled the morning of. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget that because because and then the Clemson players all getting mad about it, um, and all and then all the jokes that we had about Mike Norvell ducking every single. Six, Florida six, State no, rival no, no, in his... no, he he did not. I'm not saying he ducked them all. He did not lose. He him personally, Mike Norvell personally, did not lose to any of Florida State's rivals this year. Credit to him. Yeah, that, that I just that moment is so crazy to me because it was just like because it's not like a game because games got canceled in the middle of the week, but that was the case of like I woke up Saturday morning and while watching game day. They canceled the game. Yeah, the game, that, was, it, that it, was crazy. And it was, and it was a noon game. It was going to start in like an hour. <laughs> yeah. So that is like the moment that I think I'll always remember. Right. I mean, beyond that, uh, I don't know. There, there, there were some. There were, there weren't a lot of crazy, like, um, crazy huge moments. It's, it's, it's weird. It's such a weird season, but it also was kind of chalk. I mean, it, Alabama won, obviously, but it like, was kind of chalk. But I, I think Notre Dame, I. The Notre Dame Clemson game mm-hmm. going into overtime right before the uh, uh, presidential elects speech. I was gonna say was, that's a classic. Was pretty big. I also just loved being on Twitter for that moment because there's so many people that don't care about college football. Like, why are we watching this college football game? And I'm just like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, what what was great was I I watched that game with Alexa, and she specifically was like. Oh, they're going to show it on NBC. Or no, no, they're going to show Biden's thing and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, cool." Um they're going to ch- but her thinking, she was like, "Oh, they're going to show the speech." 
because I was watching the game on NBC and she's like, are they going to change the game? And I had already had, I already had it lined up. I was like, yeah, yeah, they're going to change the game. But that means that I have to put, she's like, I was like passing my laptop because that means I have to put USA on my laptop because they're going to, whatever USA show they have there, they're going to bump that over. So like, so I'm, I'm out here doing jujitsu with three different screens, trying to keep up with, I think Making there was, a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> I think there was a Miami game where Derek King was going off at the time on like mm-hmm. a, on like the ACC network that I had. So I put that on my phone and then I put the game on my laptop and then I kept NBC on so that we could watch the speech. And Alexa's on the side crying. She's like, what a special moment for the country. And meanwhile, I'm like, man, Derek, Travis Etienne can't run the ball for shoot. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, people, yeah, people yeah. are going to think Notre Dame's good now. <laughs> I was like, man, are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> and then SNL got held up because it was Dave Chappelle. Remember that? <laughs> yes. And there was and there were tweets flying off about how uh about how Lauren Michaels was super pissed that the game was in overtime and Dave Chappelle's like, "Yo, I'm I'm a start." And he's like, "No, you can't start yet." And our, the best part about that whole evening was after the overtime game, you see the crowd storm the field and Alex and I are like, oh, great, a whole bunch of COVID. And then immediately Mike Tirico just sends it over to local news and local news, Tyler, I kid you not, did 90 seconds before sending it to SNL. They were like, this happened today. Da, 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 da. And now on to SNL hosted by Dave Chappelle. Boom. You know, was, this person who, like, has a roommate who's a producer at a news station and is friends with a lot of people at a news station because I work at a news station, that has got to be the most annoying thing for, like, local news because, like... Oh, my like, God. Because you have to stay at work. And, yeah. and, like, so typically what happens is that, like, if you are you have the 10 o'clock show, most people, you stay till the end of the 10 o'clock show. Mm-hmm. Then you put anything you had to get. If you didn't put it on the internet, you put it on real quick, and then you, then you go home. Your, your day's done. But that's right. your work day. When, when like... We're an ABC station at News 13, the place that I work at. And so when college football games would happen on Saturdays, the Saturday 10 o'clock broadcast, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't start till 1030. Then they still got to do their full broadcast yeah. until 11. Yeah. And they so they, they get put pushed back. So to get pushed back to be on air for 90 seconds, <laughs> it's got to be so annoying. Like, I know. It's got to suck, man. But there was there was that. I think, um, the, the like you said, the Clemson-Florida State game was a big one. Uh, just the fact that we were able to finish the season, I think, was a big, big, big deal. Yeah, like you know, credits all of the players mm-hmm. specifically and the medical staff that helped them t- yeah. too. But like the players that decided to do this, and like, mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's been things said, and I think this is a worthy conversation that we should eventually have. Is that like, you know, before the season, pretty much every team and every player probably was just like, yeah, we want to play. Right. And there's teams afterwards that maybe wouldn't, looking back, maybe wouldn't have made that decision, you know, mm-hmm. if they had really bad seasons. Would they really want to go through all of this just to, just to do that? Yeah. Because everyone I, was tired. But I, right. I, I give credit to, we got the whole season in. Everybody tried. And I think everybody kind of understood it was an imperfect season. Records mm-hmm. didn't line up. Things were different. Like, right. Yeah. And I just credit all the players that that put their put themselves on the line like they do in a normal college football year mm-hmm. for our enjoyment and for their own enjoyment of the game, but for our enjoyment, and did so in a pandemic and right. made all these sacrifices and like, I I'm very thankful for that they would choose to do that. Yeah, now I, think, <laughs> I think now pay, I now pay them. Um, I think also it's important to remember, um, we didn't get a chance to play Florida State this year. And so I feel like when we play them from now on, I think the fan bases are going to have more of a 
more of an, an appreciation of the rivalry. I think same thing with the Cyhawk. I think the same thing with Georgia Tech, Georgia. All those intercom Louisville, Louisville uh, versus Kentucky. Kentucky. All of those interconference heavy, heavy rivalries. I think we're going to have a better appreciation for them. But Tyler, I think we end this segment with the one thing, the first thing out of when our grandkids are sitting there talking to both of us, and we're both in our 80s, and we're sitting there drinking and watching college football with them, and they ask us, the first thing out of my mouth will be, Rutgers went 3-6. and six. <laughs> Wait a second, I gotta double check something, continue. Yeah, Tyler, Rutgers went 3-6. and six. Rutgers went 3-6. and six. Tyler, they were 0-5 at home. They won all of their games on the road, <laughs> including the first game of the season against Michigan State which we know Michigan State to be a bad team this year coming through. Yeah. But just just imagine the start of the Big tw- of the Big 10 season, which was at the end of October to to make it crazier. And we all of a sudden we get a Rutgers victory. Do you remember how I lost my mind? Yeah. How that was insane? Oh that, that, my that, gosh. For me and then it took Michigan to overtime and double overtime. Other, double overtime they won a bunch of other games. Oh my gosh. And I will I will piggyback off that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. An accompanying fact to that. Rutgers went three and six. Yes. Tennessee went three and seven. Ah! <laughs> Tennessee had the same number of wins and more losses. Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> got an extension before the season. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt got an extension no, before you... the season. <laughs> I broke him. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Listen, I know. Like people were like, you know, has in order for it to be a rivalry, they have to win some. Nah, I love picking nah. on Kentucky. I love picking on Tennessee. I love picking on Tennessee. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Oh, that was good. Fun. I can. Oh man, Rutgers yeah. went three and six. Yeah. Tennessee went three and seven. Oh, what Tennessee a year. lost more games. Oh my God, what a year! And they had their bowl game canceled. That too. They could have gone yeah. three and eight. They could have gone three and eight. <laughs> Because <laughs> they were they were gonna play West Virginia. Oh, that, oh, three and eight, three and eight, three, three and eight, three and eight. Oh my! What oh, a what God. a what a just what a nugget. That's to remember a, that's this year what by. you take away from this season. Tyler, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be eighty and I'm gonna go. Rutgers went three and six, and you're gonna be sitting next to me and you're gonna go. And Tennessee went three and seven, and I'm gonna lose it again. <laughs> in, in, in sixty in sixty five years, I'm gonna lose it again. <laughs> Oh man! Oh god! All right, Tyler. I think it's time we we end the regular season with our. Uh, oh, we have breaking news on the pod, Tyler. Oh, uh, it is official. It is close to official, according to Chris Lowe of ESPN. Alabama is finalizing a deal with former Texans coach Bill O'Brien, and he is expected to be named their next offensive coordinator. So okay, so it's it's that, pretty that much moves- close to. That moves my needle on what I think of Alabama exactly zero percent. Like <laughs> he whoop de doo. They're they're gonna be fine. They'll Him, be fine. Bill O'Brien calling plays for an offense. That's it. That's all you're asking him to do. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Bill O'Brien, like, the coach, was never the problem. Yeah. Bill O'Brien, the GM, Hall of Famer, in Miami. <laughs> just like eli manning just like eli manning um uh. <laughs> all right my friend it's time to finish this season off with 
our first ever segment, our patented segment. It's tweets we've shared. Tyler, what's your favorite tweet that I have sent you uh, in the past? God knows how long since we did this segment. Yeah. Well, I got one right now, and I'll keep looking for others just as you go to see if okay. I can, because because it's the last one of the yeah. of the regular season, of course. Uh, before we get now, it's like off season. Uh, one you sent from uh from PFF Mike for Mike Renner. It said, "Nick Saban has reached the stage in NCAA fourteen dynasty mode where you're so dominant that it's not fun anymore, so you start over with Wyoming." <laughs> It's so true. One, we just talked about it for like 20 minutes earlier, but it's funny. Cause like, I just did this. <laughs> like, like, you, I got, no, you, you have college football revamped. That's what I you do. Have. I did. I download the mod, oh, which by man. the way, I discovered coordinator cam, um, game changer. God, we've talked about God. Game you, changer. I mean, we've I'm said, running for an average of 250 yards a game. I need if That's anyone so hard has, to do in NCAA football. If <laughs> anyone has a PS an old PS3 and an old PS3 copy of NCAA 14, they want to donate to me or I will buy it from you. Um please email me at sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, DM me at S D E L A E S. Um I want it, I need it so bad. I have been I have been in Alexa's ear for a week now. Of like, I gotta get this. I gotta get this. I gotta get this. She's like, "Don't you have a PS4?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." She's like, "Well, don't you only need one video game system?" I go, "I would be willing to get rid of my PS4 and all of the games I play on it, so I can solely play NCAA 14 revamped on the PS3." Like, I don't. Yeah. She doesn't understand that when the when when the game gets released for like a modern day console, she won't see me for two weeks. Yeah, it, that's one of those things where, like, I don't really pre-order games or do any of that stuff more because, like, when I play video games, it's, like, a commitment. So, yes. I, I typically, I wait to start them. Yes. So, I'll be like, I'll wait till the price drops and all, and then and then when all the extra stuff is included in the price when you buy it. And then I'll, I'll play it and I'll have just as much fun. No, right. not for this. No. Like, I'll On pre-order, site. I will pre-order everything. I showed Alexa, I showed Alexa the NCAA um, football Reddit page and she was like, oh, there's, like, a lot of people that do this. I was like, yes, this is th- this occult. All right. This is a cult. We a cult. <laughs> we a cult. We, okay. We're a part of it. Like, <laughs> I'm knee deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tom Cruise in Scientology. I can't get out. <laughs> You're jumping on the couch. Like, I can't get out. My guy <laughs> I'm jumping on the couch. <laughs> Oprah's looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway? So yes, great football game. Tyler, I'm going to give you a series of three of them. Oh boy! Okay, they all have to do with <laughs> the NFL wild card game being broadcast on Nickelodeon, which was just yes, chef's, give it to me, Chef's kiss. Let's start off with my favorite one. It's by Chris Vanini, and he says Nate Burleson saying moving down the field is like homework, and the red zone is the test. Is honestly the best football explanation I've ever heard. This game was full of just fantastic, dumbed down, fun explanations as like a lot of adults works. needed i feel like a lot of adults needed this like, i mean i agree i agree well alexa was watching and she she like peeked in as that part i was watching she was like i need to watch this broadcast i was like yeah if you don't know like, football that's the one you should be watching i mean so quick i tweeted about this but quick story time like <laughs> mm-hmm. so my 10 year old sister yeah has no real tangible interest in football outside of just we watch it as a family right like so she's more into it than pretty much most other 10 year olds mm-hmm um, yeah, my sister was not watching this with me. <laughs> She's also ten. <laughs> yeah, well, like, she, 
she she would say that she likes football, but it's like Emma has never decided in her life to like, and that she's ten. I didn't either when right. I was ten. Yeah. Like, has never decided I'm gonna go watch a football game. She right. just doesn't hate it when we watch it as a family. Right. More so, I think she just accepted a long time ago that that's what we do. <laughs> and I feel and I feel uh, she's just like if I want to spend time with my family on Saturdays in the fall, it's got to include the Gators. <laughs> yeah. My, so my sister saw a promo for this, recorded it. And she didn't even need to record it, but she she watched it live by herself and then called me on the house phone just so that I could talk to her while we watched it together. I love this. And this, none of this was my idea. Oh, I love I was going to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast, but none of it was my idea. And more broadcasts like this, please. More, yes. more broadcasts that get kids into the game. Yes. Like, I fully, I fully anticipate there being an alternate uh, college football uh semifinal broadcast on Disney XD next year. I love it. I love the idea. And listen, the- baseball, basketball, hot any sport that wants to like grassroots grow the game, this is soccer. This is how you do it. You get the kids, you uh, you make them understand the game at a level that they can get it and you make it fun. Because yeah, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, you and I will tie my arm off and inject it into my veins. I love it. It's football heaven. But not everyone is a are not everyone's 23 and 24 year old yeah. you know caught football junkies you know well, like my sister is watching it and she's she's just like looking at the, the shots of the stands where you know this season a lot of times people put up cardboard of like mm-hmm. stands she's just like oh look they have this and they have this and all the shows that she watches, and then she yeah. starts like this santiago of the sea and this is a big show that she likes yeah and then she's actually watching the game and she's just like oh he almost caught it and i'm i'm look, looking at my phone i can't see her but like I'm looking at my phone and I'm just like, this is so cute. Yes, and exactly. Like, and you don't need to do this every weekend. It's just no. a matter of like, this was a successful thing in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I don't, know, I don't know what the ratings were like, but I think it was successful. Yeah. I, I, additionally, my favorite part was the um, uh, Young Sheldon explanation of penalties. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was the Young Sheldon episode right after the game. Where I was, I I ended up watching the first like two minutes because you know game ended and it started, yeah. and the opening was this mom, uh, this mom bet on I don't know where they're from, so I don't want to say Alabama. Texas, football. I think it's Texas. Texas. Okay, so I think it was A and M. It was A and M. Watching A and M college football, and the mom was like, "I don't need them to win. I just need them to cover." And the and the kid was one of the kids was like, "Mom, are you betting on the game again?" And she was like, "Shh." And I was like, "Oh wow, I just saw myself in twenty years. That was me." <laughs> I don't need them to win. I just needed the cover. That was me. That was me now. That's me now. What are you talking about? I don't know what Tony. That's no, me now. The only difference is that there's kids around. In that. And then and then the best part was Sheldon was reading a book and it was fourth down and they sent the punt team out and he was like, they should just go for it. And everyone's like, what are you talking? Sheldon, I guess, doesn't open his mouth during football. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, statistically, and he goes off on this whole thing about how punting is stupid. And I was like, analytics. He gets it. He gets it. Somebody hire this kid. This He gets it. He's like, yeah, statistically, it just makes more sense for them to go for it. If you look at the percentages on, you know, if they're going to win the game afterwards, it's not whatever. It's like, oh, my God, he's like 15 years ahead of his time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, Sheldon, Sheldon, what should you do on fourth and one? Tell me. Tell me, Sheldon. <laughs> just, just, uh, yep. Yep. Beautiful. Oh, man. So it was, the other t- <laughs> it was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was. Yeah. What were All the right. other two tweets about this? The other saw? two. So Pat McAfee tweeted. He said, the slime zone, dude. Can't kick field goals. Need to get into the slime zone. Slime yeah, no. zone is what they called the end zone in on the broadcast, which is fantastic. And then the best one, it's not for kids, but the jokes were flying about the Nickelodeon yeah. broadcast. 
uh, and young person says, Nickelodeon gonna tell the kids, Manti Teo had an imaginary friend just <laughs> like you. <laughs> That's a deep cut, man. <laughs> well, Manti Teo was on the Bears. He was... <laughs> Wait, he's still playing for the Bears? <laughs> yeah, he was on the Bears. I didn't even know that. Oh, my God. Oh, God. He said, Manti Teo had an imaginary friend just like you. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, just last one. Uh-huh. Uh, because similar thing, it's a Nickelodeon broadcast space. Michael Phillips, honorary Michael Phillips, friend of the pod. Uh-huh. Uh, sent this one in our group chat that also needs to be shared. That I, I, I can't tell, but I'm pretty sure this is real because okay. I didn't see it when it happened. Mm-hmm. So Nickelodeon was doing this whole like dynamic duos comparing something on the field, yeah, with football to something from a Nickelodeon cartoon the kids would understand. This one it has dynamic duos: SpongeBob and Patrick punched in the mouth like Patrick punching. Yes. The other one was Javon Wims and Chelsea Garner Johnson <laughs> yes. punched in the mouth. No, 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 no. We, we, we got to keep going. I don't know if it's real, but <laughs> we got to keep going. Cause there's still a couple more. There's still a couple more. Okay. So first of all, there was the whole thing about how Nickelodeon gave out an MVP and they named it an NVP and they gave it to Mitch Trubisky <laughs> and Twitter had a field day because Mitch Trubisky <laughs> finally won something. <laughs> And then there's these. Wait, wait, there's two more. There's two more. You gotta keep going. Roger Sherman of the Ringer, the college football voice of reason at the Ringer, because no one else watches college football there, but a couple more. Mm. He tweeted, uh, "How is Nickelodeon going to explain to kids that the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky over Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> guys, you can't see it, but Tyler is losing it. Wait, I got one more. I got one more. And you're okay. Gonna love it. This was by uh, Trevor Sikama, Tampa Bay Trey. Oh, boy. Here we go. Now, Nate, this is going to be a little bit harder to explain, <laughs> but it's third down, and Taysom Hill is in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that was an actual quote. <laughs> that was actually That's not even said, a joke. No. That's not even a joke. I'm like, how are you going to explain this to the children? <laughs> oh, listen, Nickelodeon, we love that you did this. But NFL, can you give them a better game next time? You gave them I- the Bears. I honestly think they picked this game because I thought I think it's because they thought that the game and rightfully so that the game would be terrible. Uh huh. So it's like it's it's two different philosophies. Do you give Nickelodeon a game that's going to be fun so it's like really maximize experience, uh-huh. or do you give Nickelodeon a game that's going to be terrible so that Nickelodeon can make it less terrible? <laughs> ah, I see what you mean. I see and what I, you did there. I see what they did. I would have preferred. You know, it would have been really fun mm. if they would never have done this. But if Nickelodeon had the Ravens Titans game, oh my god, with two teams that hate each other, like, well, okay, so in the Nickelodeon game, there was an f bomb that slipped in. Yeah, could you could you imagine like picking up a hot mic on Lamar? <laughs> Are you kidding me? The point, the point, bro. So, the, so the interception the, the, when they, when they're stomping on the on the logo. How do they explain yeah. this to children? And because Nickelodeon does it like, and the, the, they had a really impressive graphics package. Fantastic, like, fantastic. And they come back to the next commercial, and they've got googly eyes and cloud yeah. and slime on the thing put, of them doing that. They put Drew Brees in the Sandy helmet, warming up. <laughs> like that's fantastic. So good. Oh man. Oh boy. Nickelodeon, NFL. Do this, more of this that. Was hi- this was history. I hope we get more of it. I hope we get more of it. I hope we get more of it. Uh, Tyler, that's going to wrap up the episode. Um, what a great way to end 
the college football season. Great way to end the college football season. Another great season. We did it. We did it. We did uh, it. We made it. Ready for, you know what, you know, looking, just quick three-second look ahead to mm-hmm. next season. Yes. Yes. I'm already regretting the fact that I feel like, I feel like OU is like my pick to like win the national championship and it was going to be like some dark horse thing and I'm seeing like everybody on that bandwagon right okay, now. But, okay, like, but they have like their plus 750 odds right now i think that's really good odds take that. they're like yeah. this they're like the fifth sixth best odds to win and i think just like florida last year was probably the best odds preseason to win and i still think i still that, think florida was the best odds to win correct like, i like oklahoma's odds like if i gun to head had to place a bet that wasn't like oh alabama repeats or clemson went you know not like yeah, a normal Ohio State, like, whatever yeah i would think i would take oklahoma i i like them a lot spencer rattler's yeah. gonna come back uh, Heisman winner next year. Um, yeah. Uh, at least a candidate. Alex Strinch is still there. Exactly. He I was, think the defense is going to be really good this. this I think, and year. I think him not being, not leaving Oklahoma is a bigger deal. Like teams not targeting him as either a head coach or trying to pay him more money to be a coordinator somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, I think I, step up. I feel like good this for is them. his last year because I know that he had an interview somewhere. Oh, okay. It, it, I don't know. Well, like I heard that he's just like. Actually, I don't know if it was an interview. I heard there was interest at like a small school. Got it. Like, oh, maybe. So the eye, the eyes are turning there, but it was mm-hmm. like you, like you see that piece of news, and it's just like, it's just I'm, I don't know if this was the team, but it's just like Alex Trinch is eyed for Utah State head coach. And I'm like, he's not gonna take that. No, like, yeah, he's not taking Utah. But, State. but it's like it's like how Joe Brady's getting interviews right now, and I don't think Joe Brady will get hired to the cycle in the NFL. But coming up. But it's just like, but that means he's definitely going to get hired next cycle. Exactly. So like, exactly. I, I, Lincoln Riley, you got one, you got one good year left. You better make the most uh, of w- it w- before you have to make another defensive coordinator hire. Better like, make the most of it. Um, all right, Tyler, let's let's wrap up that episode. This episode coming up, we are going to have both a Gators post mortem, and then we will be having a fun end of year awards ceremony where we will be giving out sideline judgment awards for the year that was 2020 college football season. So. Those two episodes will be coming up in the coming weeks, and then I think by then, Tyler, we should be either knocking at the door of or fully full-fledged in draft season and draft mode. Mm-hmm. We will shift our attention to the best college football players of this season, and we will mesh them with our NFL knowledge, and we will project them and talk about all about the draft, specifically the first round, maybe some players in the second round. We'll go ahead and we will get into, I know it's Tyler's favorite part of the season, part of the year, mm-hmm. draft season. So we'll be getting into you that. You know, you, you were totally right last week when you said that for my mental health, just Ohio State not winning will be better. Uh-huh. Because if Justin Fields feels it thrown for like 400 yards and five touchdowns, yeah, I'd be reading a lot of articles right now. Mm-hmm. I'm already stressing out about who we're going to hire as head coach. Like, I think that's the bigger thing for you. Yeah, you know it's nice. To, it's nice to have the number one pick. I've never had this before because, like, I had a talk with a friend. It's just like I can never tell who's going to be the number one pick. I'm like, really? I feel like it's super obvious every year. <laughs> like, like, all righty. Uh, well, that concludes this episode. It has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler, and we are not biased, Tyler. But go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs>